Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. of a serious subject today. I didn't have the privilege to do what Scott had to say last week and where I listened to his message and was grateful for the things that he shared. But today I have the devious task of reminding this body and those looking in online that there are many lies that will destroy a relationship or a marriage. And the number one I want to bring to your attention, and by the way, there were dozens on the website. There, were, there was information that... Uh, came to my attention about these lies that destroy relationships. But out of my own 41 years of marriage and being in the ministry since 1986, I've seen many things that will destroy a relationship or destroy a marriage. And one of the lies is that you'll be better off in a relationship. You already heard from this lady that she wasn't necessarily better off in this relationship. One People will get into a relationship because of, you guessed it, loneliness. Loneliness. Because you're lonely, it's the most common reasons why people get into a relationship. Because they're afraid to be on their own. Boy, I remember when I was single and I got saved and I was lonely. Because there was not a lot of people that were on fire for Jesus Christ, even in the church. And I was lonely. And I remember one time being lonely, only one time, I went to the bowling alley because I was lonely. Around the wrong crowd, not all people that bowl are wrong, just half of them. You can tell the ones that get a strike, they're the ones, they're the ones you got to watch out for. Well, in that bowling alley, there were some people doing drugs, and of course, I was lonely, and I wanted some friends, and only one time after I got saved did I ever do drugs back in my 20s because I was lonely. And sometimes when you're lonely, you'll get into a relationship that you should not be involved in. Well, you know the passage of Scripture from Proverbs 25. Now, we're not picking on the ladies. This can go for the guys too, but this is the quote from the passage of Scripture. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than to be with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Or I could say it's better to live alone if you have an abusive husband or a tyrant husband. Proverbs 21, 19 reminds us better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Well, some stay in friendships because of loneliness. Someone has said, I know I've swallowed my feelings to stay with friends, with people because I was afraid of what would happen if I cut ties with them. Remember the scripture in 1533, 1 Corinthians 1533? Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And how many of you young people want to be around people and so you hang around the wrong crowd? Even people that get married. Forget that passage that says, come out from among them and separate yourself from them because God wants you to be holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And yet, you won't part with those friends. Well, why do people get into relationship? Well, when people are afraid of being on their own, what they're actually afraid of is being isolated. That's the feeling of involuntarily being separated from those around you. On the other hand, some research shows that, that being on your own can be good for you. But then on the other hand, it also shows that being isolated can be really bad for you. The line between the two can be very thin if you aren't careful. The big difference between Flying solo and being isolated 
is that you choose the one and feel forced in the other. So you don't want to get into a relationship just because you're lonely. Now, some Christians will say, well, I want to get into a relationship because two are better than one. That relationship will help me. And it could. But I want to remind you that you can be married and be lonely. You can be in a crowd and be lonely. I read somewhere that said that more than 60% of lonely people are married. That means some of you right now might be married and you're lonely and yet you're married. So you see, getting into that relationship without Christ being the center of your life is a big mistake. In fact, the cure, the cure for this is found in Matthew 6.33. You see, you don't want to get the cart before the horse. That means you don't want to get the relationship before you get the ultimate relationship in place. God said for you as a believer, seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first. Then the things that you need will fall into place. Then that person that you need will come front and center. Then those relationships that you need will be yours. Remember, he tells us, he must be first. In this lady's life, you could see he was not first. Her husband was not, well, excuse me, just the opposite. She put her husband first before Christ. Is that correct? In the video. Here's what Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 14. If you want to be a follower of me, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, I know many people will not come to Christ or make him Lord because of their father or mother. Because of their wife and their children, their brothers and their sisters, even your own life. That means, yes, Christ must be first before any desire you have, he must be first. Otherwise, he said, you can't be my disciple. So when you put, you say, I want to get in a relationship because I'm lonely or because I, I need someone. If Christ is not first, you will not better yourself. So don't think that because you get into a relationship, you will be better. That's a lie from the enemy. How about I'll be happier in a relationship? Again, because you know the scripture in Ecclesiastes, and I'm not going to read it at this time, you know two are better than one, and that's, that's true. But I wanted to bring to your attention a, a series that I constantly promote, just like people promote the five love languages. When I do premarital counseling, and when I talk to people about their marital problems over all the years, I remind them of a famous author that I like, Gary Thomas, who has a video series on marriage called Sacred Marriage. In that series, he, he, he says something very profound. He says, if you don't want to find out what kind of sinner you are, then don't get married. Because you're a sinner, and you have problems you bring to the table, then you marry someone else who has sinned. Now you got double the trouble and you thought you were better off in a relationship, yet you were probably better off being single or being by yourself. Unless, unless Christ is the center of your life. Now it becomes a little bit sensitive. And I speak to you as a pastor, as a loving shepherd. People get into a relationship because they want sex. Now, I'll keep this G. You don't have to ask your children to leave. People get into a relationship because of sex. The Christian says, well, you know what? It's all right for me to have sex, so I'm going to get into a relationship and I'm going to get married. Because the scripture says it's re I'd rather... You get married, then burn, right? That's what the scripture teaches me. So I'm going, to get, I'm going to get in a relationship because I've got to have sex. We all know how those hormones were just flaming when we were in our 20s. God, can you remove this? Then we get in our 60s. Can, can I have some more? 
So I had to tell God at one time, I said, Lord, I remember when I was in my 20s. I didn't want this. Would you take it away from me? Then I get in my 60s. Lord, you. <laughs> Do you realize that if you get married because of sex, you'll not be better if that's the reason why you married. Do you realize, according to HuffPost, more than half of the women surveyed, 57% admitted they had not found sex with their spouse satisfying. They were disappointed. 50% of those will end up in divorce, as was brought to your attention last week. So we know that getting married for sexual reasons is not the answer to your troubles or your problems. Now I get even more sensitive when I tell people about sex outside of marriage. You see, the lie is that God will bless me, yet I'm going to just have sex and, um, and he loves me just the way that I am. And the lie is, well, God will still bless me even if I have sex outside of marriage. Now, I, I imagine this would hit everybody. Uh, we all were ungodly at one time, and, um, and we then get saved, and then sometimes we get saved, and we still carry on those, those, uh, that, those ideas and philosophies, and we bring them to the Christian table. Well, living together, does it mean that you're 100% having sex? And you're a liar. It does, and here's the point I really want to hit home. I want you to listen very carefully. It, it doesn't mean you're necessarily having sex, but it does place you in a position that you're much more likely to have sex. But also, one more thing. While also allowing others to believe that you are. What's the big deal here? Romans 14 reminds us, for we do not live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Our testimony is more important than anything in the world. So while on day one, you may say, well, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just going to live with that person. Nobody else is going to believe it. And you say, well, what's the big deal? I just told you what God thinks about that big deal. I quote this. Jared and Rachel admitted to me, not me personally, I'm quoting this, during our first premarital counseling appointment that they had decided to live together. Then been raised in the church and they conceded that moving in together was probably morally wrong. But they went on to explain it. It makes more sense financially. And besides, this will make sure that we're compatible. Jared and Rachel are a composite of a majority of couples today. Now, the reason for taking time on this, research indicates that more than two-thirds of couples will live together before marriage and is needed this message is needed in the church as i said before it's very um when you're a parent and and i am teaching my kids something I, I i get again very soft and especially if it's something extremely important i, I want to talk to them in a very loving way and and, and as a shepherd over the flock of god I, I i never want to put you first I must put God first. If you want to go to a liberal church, a liberal church is not political. I mean liberal by, well, they're more concerned about what you think than what God thinks. And when I walk out of my office, I care more about what he thinks than what you think. And there's too many pastors that worry about what you think rather than what he thinks. But at the same time, when I leave my office, I look in the mirror and I realize I'm a saint 
that sins. I just happen to be speaking about a particular sin. And if we open up the scripture, all of us, all of us would come under the convictingness of the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, don't shut the door. You are not better off in that relationship. You are not going to receive the full blessings of God. But I want to warn you of something else if you continue to rebel, like all of us if we continue to rebel against something God's pointed out to us. He said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, don't you realize those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's one of the reasons I'm speaking on the subject. Two-thirds of relationships We'll first begin by experimentation. i got to find out if that's my soulmate. Okay. The sex is not good. What happens? They depart. Or you get married because of sex. On a wedding night, it's not satisfying. Then what? So you don't marry for sexual reasons, nor do you move in with someone for sexual reasons. It's wrong. Like all other sins are wrong. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourself into believing it's all right. Those who indulge in sexual sin, and there's a lot of ways to indulge in sexual sins. I don't want to belabor the point at this moment. Or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves Notice it's bringing out a whole slew of sin, and I did that on purpose. I mean, brought this to your attention. I brought this scripture to your attention so you wouldn't think I'm picking on one person, although the subject is about relationships. I just wanted to make sure you didn't think I was picking on you because look at the list of sin. It's a long laundry list, and all of us fall under the condemnation or conviction of the Holy Spirit. But when I read the Word of God, I don't know about you, even this week as I read about this subject, I was reminded of all my past failures. You cannot read the word of God and not act as a mirror and go, oh my goodness, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. It just kind of oozes out of us. When we read the word of God, we all fall under the same condemnation or conviction. And there's a whole laundry list of sins prostitutes, homosexuality, how they're just pushing that in front of our faces today and asking us to accept it. But here's the point. If you refuse to obey God, it is a good indication that you may not know him. And he said, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. If you say, I can't do it, your hormones are raging. You don't know how much in love I am. Oh, yeah? If a guy says he loves you and can't you wait, that's a good indicator that he can't. And he may not be faithful to you when you get into a relationship. You see, I, it was hard for me to learn this as a young man. That our bodies were not made for sex. Try to tell that to an 18, 19, 20-year-old, 21, 22-year-old. I'm, I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about the lost. I'm talking about believers. But the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 6.13, I understand this as an older person. I didn't understand it as a younger person. You say food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food. That's just true. They'll, someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. I actually believe, now I could tell you this. You may say that's easy because you're 60, 60 uh, I guess a little more older. But <laughs> I was lying about my own age. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. that I understand that my body was not made for sex. It was hard to tell me that at 60, I mean, at 20, 21, 25 years old, I thought, wow, how am I going to tame this beast inside of me? <laughs> and I, when you do, 
know the Lord, you understand that your body was not made for sex, but it was made for the Lord Jesus Christ. When you get that right, then you can enter into a relationship. Now, I can tell you in defense, although the hormones were raging, I had lived an ungodly life. And when I finally got married, right at 25 years old, God helped me understand what I needed to look for in a woman. And for some reason, I was blessed with that wisdom and understanding. Like God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding. I knew exactly what to look for in a woman because I already failed God in many ways. And I knew topmost they must love the Lord Jesus Christ or they wouldn't get near me. You have to make that decision. Secondly, she had a good family. Thirdly, she had to love me. That took a long time <laughs> for her to finally, now after 41 years, she can say, I've arrived. But you have to know what you want before you get into that relationship. This young lady you saw in the video, did, she, she really didn't know what she wanted because her heart was not right before God. She idolized that guy. She needed that guy. By the way, this goes for friendships too. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. It's amazing how much missionary dating goes along. I still remember in fun, I remember, I tell my wife this and told you that I met a girl and the day I met her, I got the leader to Jesus Christ. I always loved that. Telling people that instead of doing what the world thinks you ought to do, I got the leader to Jesus Christ. That had to happen before I dated her. I dated her for a year and a half and then all of a sudden, my wife comes along, and she was dating someone, and, and then, then I two-timed that person, and, and she was far away, and this one was close by, so guess who won out? The one that was close by. Same with her. But I was single then. I could do that, and we weren't having sex. By the way, I made it with my wife. You see, what happens is when... When you're lost and then you get saved, you're exposed to Scripture and you get better and better and better and better. You, we, everything doesn't change overnight. You, some of you are on that ladder number one, or that rung number one. Some of you at two, some of you at three, some of you at four. When we get saved, we're all on rung number one. And, and as a shepherd, we get to come alongside you and help you and bless you. We're not here to look down our noses at you. We've sinned enough on our own without looking at you and judging you. We're not doing that. We just want to help you. I wanted to know the truth. And so I learned you shouldn't have sex before marriage. I didn't get the kissing part that some people got. I, I, I did a lot of kissing. I wish I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But I made it. I made it to the finish line without having sex. That happens when you read the word of God and you allow him to change you. And he changes your view on a lot of things. And hopefully he's changing your view on this this morning. So don't believe that you're going to be better off in a relationship. Because you're lonely. Because sex will make life better. Because two are better than one. No, not unless he becomes number one. Then it will be okay to entertain a relationship. A lie that I won't spend a lot of time on is that a relationship needs no outside help. This makes me kind of sad at times because as a pastor, I've been the recipient of many people leaving the church because I knew they didn't have a perfect relationship. Well, guess what? I've been married 41 years and I don't have a perfect relationship. I like to pretend I do, but we don't. Now, don't go take that too far. I have a good relationship, a happy relationship, but we still, we still get, especially me being Greek and being Irish, I mean, listen, there are things we all want to go around and around on until I learned something else this past few weeks. I can't change my spouse on everything. 
So some, it's hard to tell me that because I'm a fighter and I'm a competitor and I don't want to ever give up. But it really dawned on me this last couple weeks about an issue I had with my wife that we don't see eye to eye on. And I go, what in the world am I doing trying to change her mind on this? Um, Can we turn that around? (laughs) It's only taken me 50 years to learn that. Wait, that makes me way older. (laughs) But some people will leave the church because I know as a pastor or someone else knows that they have an imperfect marriage. Well, guess what? When you walked into this place, you joined a lot of other people that have imperfect relationships and marriages. And we're all together trying to become like Christ. So it saddens me when people leave because of that. And secondly, if anyone finds out about it, they're out. That's pride. That's a lot of pride. It's not a sexual sin. It's a prideful sin. We all have problems. Don't leave the church because someone knows you have a marital problem. Just ask me. I'll tell you about all the problems I've had. (laughs) But we've made it 41 years. My wife celebrated 40 years because, wait wait a minute. She celebrated 40 years because she didn't know if we'd make it to 50. (laughs) You know, people celebrate 40, 50 years and they throw a big party. She threw a big party at 40, just in case. No. I do want to give you a few, I think we can throw on the screen, a few people that at least you can go to for help or ministries. I think we have uh, Jimmy Evans and his wife. These are some people that I just want you to jot down. By the way, every year you should be indulging in DVDs, um, marriage seminars, boat cruises that talk about marriages and relationships. Please constantly divulge in information like that but these are some of the people that I want to promote to you a lot of you've already done love and respect by the way you sometimes you just need to do it yearly on a yearly basis but all of us all of us including yours truly has needed outside help in relationships as well as in my marriage so don't believe the lie that you can go it alone and don't think you look like an oddball because you sought help from the church. If it's too deep for me, if, if, you, if I can't, if I can't solve it one or two, two sessions, I pass you on because I can't handle six, seven, eight, nine, nine of those sessions with you. I send you to a professional counselor. <laughs> and, if, and if I can't give biblical advice, then, you, I, I, then I'm not the one to come see. Because the only kind of counseling I can do is from the scripture to tell you how to get along with each other. So don't believe the lie that you don't need any help and that you can do it alone. You can't. That's why God gave us community. That's why he gave us the church. That's why he gave us one another. Now here's a lie that I need to focus on a minute also. And this is dear to my heart besides the one I just spoke on about sex outside of marriage or sex is going to satisfy you in marriage. It's a big lie. Now I've learned to be satisfied with my spouse because all that God does through her in our relationship, I'm satisfied, I'm happy. But still, don't take sex off the table. I think that went off your head, over your heads there. Okay. That was being clean. That was being nice, guys. Come on now. We're... Okay. How about the lie? You know I love you, so I don't have to say I'm sorry. You've heard this infamous saying. You've heard this infamous saying when the wife complained to her husband, you never say you love me. He said, honey, I told you 40 years ago that I loved you, and if it needs repeating, I'll let you know. (laughs) That's how some people feel. And it will destroy a relationship No healthy relationship, especially a marriage, can be sustained over a long period of time without forgiveness. 
Keeping record of wrongs is the quickest way to be miserable. It is complicated living a life full of bitterness and resentment. You see, the scripture teaches us unforgiveness does not hold on to wrongs. But unforgiveness holds on to wrongs, seeks revenge. It has a smell of decay and destitution in our home. But forgiveness is like a sweet smell that covers our homes with the savor of true love. Forgiveness builds homes. Unforgiveness tears it down. Since marriage is a union between two imperfect people, we must ensure forgiveness resides in our conscience. Martin Luther, the famous saint, said, a happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. God commands us to forgive. Now, let me preface it with this. The other, the other sadness I've had to endure over all the years as a, as a pastor is I'll sit in a church or I'll preach in a church or be in a Bible study and I'll preach on forgiveness and everyone will say, amen. Can I hear that again? And when I preach on forgiveness, people believe you ought to do it. Everyone says, amen. All of a sudden, the cows come home to roost, and now it's your turn to actually forgive. And guess what happens? I've seen it over and over and over as a pastor. It's an unmovable boundary. I'm not going to forgive. And they leave the church, too, because of that. Or does it destroy that relationship? And we're talking about friendships too. Let me remind you what the scripture teaches all of us. See, I, I like a message like this, but if it's not packed with scripture, then, then I, I don't have a lot to say to you. Because you already know the problems and the troubles that marriages face and relationships face. The scripture tells us in Matthew 6, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. For some reason, I don't understand why it doesn't compute to the spiritual mind and the, the brain that if you refuse to give, no matter what that person has done, you cannot be forgiven of your father. Wow, I, I get calm back again. If you will not forgive... You cannot be forgiven from your father. You might be in danger of hell. It's an impossibility to hate your brother and say you love God. We, we learned that in our Bible class this morning. But all of a sudden, now it's your turn to forgive, and you don't. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. So I warn you, brother and sister in Christ, Heed the scripture. Now, you're in a relationship. You've already forgiven over and over again. We've had this discussion too with my, my wife. How many times do you forgive? And if, if, I, if I forgave you, then why, why did you do the same sin again? Well, I'd like the first person in here that doesn't sin at all this week, next month, the month after this, stand up right now, and I'll have you ushered out. <laughs> we all sin. So what's the big deal? You know, if I, if I, I, I use this illustration, I won't tell you what the subject was about, but let, let's, I, here's the illustration I used. I said, okay, let's say I'm a smoker, and I decided, I, I told my wife, I'm going to quit smoking. But I had one or two cigarettes the whole year. Did I quit smoking? No, you didn't. I can't forgive you. Wait a minute. 365 days in a year. I didn't smoke for 360-something days. I'm fighting. I'm living for God, and I failed once or twice. Can't you forgive me? You see the logic in that, guys? I want to need some guys to say amen up there, right? Amen. It's guys turn to say amen. Somebody, I don't want to see anybody running around here now. They're so excited about that. 
We, we need to forgive one another. How many times? Ah, I love the passage that says this when Peter asked the Lord about this because the self-righteous people said hey, three times. Hey, guess what? We're going to go the extra mile. We're going to forgive seven times. God surprised them when he said, how many times should I forgive? According to Matthew 18. Seven times? No, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, we're not talking about, you are to forgive. It doesn't mean you have to stay in an abusive relationship. We're not talking about that kind of sin. You still should forgive, but you got to get out of that relationship. But if you will not practice forgiveness, there's a lot of things that can help it, that, that can hurt you. What about your health? You've heard this, that many people could walk out of the, I heard 80, that 85% of the people could walk out of the hospital if they could forgive. Let me give you this. Whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or a long-held resentment toward a family member or a friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize, and it may be affecting your physical health. The good news, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. Wow, that's a physical reason why to forgive, let alone a spiritual reason why you should forgive one another. Again, this is a passion of mine. I hurt so deeply from my brothers and sisters in Christ who will not forgive their brother or sister or their husband and wife when they come to them and say, I'm sorry. And then let me tell you, even if they don't tell you they're sorry, you are to still go to that person and you are to tell them, listen, I forgive you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I must have done something. I remember I had to end a lifelong relationship with my mom that away. I did not like her. I hated her. And blamed her for every single problem I ever had because of the trouble that I had to endure for 17 years. And I walked in that house and I knew as a believer what I had to do. And I was kind of smart when I did this. There are some smart things I have done in my life. One was marrying my wife. And, okay, and I walked in that house and I said, Mom, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Nobody is innocent, right? Nobody. She turned around and said to me, I'm sorry for what I've done. There was no talk. There was no explanations, nothing. I wish I could have got some explanations, but I knew I needed to end it right there. I went to her and told her I was sorry even though I believe I had done so little wrong, it ended there and I got on with my life and forgave her. And she forgave me. She's now 92 years old. I brought her to church. All my brothers, five other brothers have made professions of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they think this bum now hung the moon because of what Jesus has done in my life. You see, the real thing that I'm trying to teach you this morning is your past does not have to determine your future. But you need to listen to God, what he's saying to you. Yes, it's like a little sandpaper, but it's worth the work. I want to remind you what the scripture teaches us in Ephesians. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, yelling, and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, you have to put that away. I was full of anger. Some of you are full of anger. Or because of what happened in your past. 
You need to lay out of the cross. You need to go forgive that person. Otherwise, bitterness will be a part of your life. No matter what that person's done, go to that person and ask them to forgive you. Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. You see, if you don't get rid of that bitterness, you will in turn raise your kids to be that way. I remember, to my own humiliation, that I did not treat a girl right. And I'm talking about sexually. I mean, she ticked me off. So I, I hurt her. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I did or anything bad. That's what I would have been like for the rest of my life. I would in turn raise my kids because of the way I was raised. I would have been abusive. I would have hit. I would have choked. I would have spilled out venom at my kids because I was verbally abused. You stupid, rotten thing. You're never going to amount to anything. All my life I was told that. I would have turned around and said the same thing to my kids or to my wife. Many times I've had to fight back that temptation that surfaced as a believer. But God gave me the power to tell that thing to die. Get back where you belong. You don't belong in my life. And you guys know now I'm telling the truth because the rest is history that we raised six godly kids and they're all serving the Lord and in the ministry. The only way that could be undone is through the power of Jesus Christ coming and taking residence in your life. I mean residence where the craving for this life is over and the craving for his kingdom is now instilled in you. And he will do that to anybody that asks. The antidote to bitterness and anger is forgiveness. Over the years, married couples will in invariably wrong one another if they do not deal with those wrongs God's way. God's way, not your way. It slowly will build a divide. And God, by the way, hates divorce. That's another thing I had just had to say. God hates divorce. Now, for divorce is not the unforgivable sin. Because I know I'm speaking to people who've been divorced. Just because you don't have that plastered on your head doesn't mean we're better or worse. I remember going to my first church where the, the divorced people were over here and the people that hadn't been divorced over here. Pastor, don't look over here for your leaders, but look over here for your leaders. And I thought, that's not right. They could have committed murder over here. They could have had an affair over here. They could be looking at pornography over here. And I'm supposed to get my leaders from over here instead of over here. When I looked over here, I saw a guy had been married three times. There he was in my church. And I ended up selecting him as a leader in my church for 10 years. That guy had served Jesus Christ. He was acting better than some of the people over here. And the church got mad at me. But that's what the Word of God teaches. Now, I don't want you to feel I'm giving you a license or is God giving you a license to divorce. So I must, so I hope I'm, I hope I shepherded you in telling you that, okay? Do you have that been divorced? God's forgiven you. Get on with your life. But I must say this. Like all other sin, divorce, we bring our troubles to the table, but then that trouble spreads to other people. That's why divorce is not so good. So when we entered into our marriage, we said, this, is, this, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> I like what Billy Graham's wife responded when she was asked, have you ever thought of divorcing your husband? I know some of you know the answer to this, but some of you don't. She said, divorce? No. Murder? Yes. <laughs> Remember King David, a man after God's own heart. He committed adultery, had her husband killed. God forgave him. However, please, please think about it. Because here's the fallout of what David's wrong did. Four of his kids, Ammon, I can't imagine this, having my children do this. Ammon raped his half-sister and was killed by Absalom. Absalom tried to take over his daddy's kingdom and he was killed. Remember, God said, the sword will never leave your house because of what you did. Forgiven, yes. Going to heaven, yes. 
But are you willing to live with that consequence of your sin? His first child, God said he's going to die. You get married to someone new, you're grieving, and you lose your child. Then, his next son, Adonijah. Adonijah was thinking of taking over his dad's kingdom. Then he was ushered back into his good graces. Then he tried to go to bed with one of his dad's concubines and he was killed. That's what David had to live with. So isn't it better to think about the healing that God can bring into your relationship through forgiveness, unless again, abuse. Abuse. And, and there's another way out, of course. There is the way out, but not necessarily should you take it. And that is, of course, unfaithfulness. God permits that, but you don't have to take that way out. Are you willing to live with that consequence that your children's children are going to have to endure that? David had to endure a lot. So yes, we're forgiven. By the way, one more note on this. If you're in a relationship where someone is lost or you're in a home where someone's lost, the Bible tells you, man or woman, to go back into that relationship and live in such a way that your conduct and your behavior will be so overpowering that the Holy Spirit will use that and possibly convert your other spouse, your spouse. So even then, God doesn't want you to leave. The last thing I'll say is, you think a lie that the enemy uses, that it's, it's too hard. It's too hard, so therefore, I need, I need to get out. Without elaborating on a long time, let me at least say this about Jesus. So I'm skipping over a lot. By the way, the greatest joy of your life will come after 30, 40, 50 years of commitment to one person and the life you build together. I know that I'm more in love today than I was when I first got married. It's the truth. It's not a lie because now it's real love, not sexual love. But what if Jesus had taken that view that many of us take that it's too hard so I want out and the grass is greener somewhere else. It's only greener because you're not there. Slowly everybody got that. Now, turning to the spiritual and ending. What if Jesus had said it was too hard his whole life was in preparation so he could have a relationship with us. A life of being rejected by his own people. By my own religion and by my religious leaders. By the world leaders, Herod, Pilate, and ultimately Caesar. What if he said it was too hard? An unfair trial humiliation, verbal abuse, spitting, being spit upon, hitting him, jamming thorns on his head, beating him with an inch of his life, his flesh laid open in agony, carried his own cross where they would nail to him, nail him to it. He hung there in agony. He went through all the hard times for who? For you and me? What have you done? Or what's been done to you that's so hard that you need to wiggle out of that relationship without giving it your best? As Jesus said, have you worked so hard that you have spilt your blood on that relationship? If not, consider staying in that relationship or getting out of that relationship if you're single or posing the question to that person. Hey, we're here to help. Jacob and I are here to help you. 
we realize we're speaking to people with all different backgrounds, with all different walks of life. And any day I could stand up here and I, I, I could preach on anything and it would hit all of us. Today just happens to be the subject of marriage and relationships. Jacob and I are here to help. We're not here to look down our nose. We want to help you. The leaders here want to help you and bless you. Get you in the right relationship. You know why? We want God's best for you. And it's a lie for you to believe that you can continue doing what you're doing and receive God's best. It's a lie that you've been into. So this morning, listen, you, you may not come down here, but you may come down here and we'd like for you to pray. We'll have some prayer partners up here. And by the way, when people come forward, doesn't mean they're worse sinners than you or that they've even sinned at all. They could be coming up here and, and asking me to pray or asking us to pray for someone in their family. Or you could wait till after the service. No one sees you and come up to us. Or you can make a phone call to Jacob or me during the week. Or you can text us. You can see us on the way out. Write something on the card and we'll get it. We want to help you. There is no one in this room that's perfect. We're all in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand at this time? So you see, getting into a relationship really will not necessarily make you a better you unless Jesus is on the throne of your life. So if you're here today, would you consider rededicating your life by saying, God, this is revival. This is revival. What is revival? Repenting. All of us have had to do that. And all of us will continue to have to do that. You're not alone. You're in good company here. Just ask God to forgive you. Don't walk out of this place and say, okay, God, I'm going to continue doing it my way. Please, please listen to the Holy Spirit and turn from your ways. If you're here today and you need some help, Jacob and I are here to help you and some of the leaders that will be up here to pray with you, to help you get into a right relationship. So, Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will water and fertilize the seeds that were sown, reminding them the ultimate, you're the answer to everything, that making you Lord of their lives. And you said the only proof that we really know you is that we obey you and love one another. The two main things that stuck out in my mind from your word is that we obey you. Oh, when we've done wrong, just repent and obey you. Remind everyone here of that this morning. Encourage them with that good news. Just come and get right with you and obey you. Thank you that you've made it easy. Thank you for paying the way. Would you come now as God leads you? Would you pray and would you sing? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.